welcome to Compliance Solved, where we provide our listeners with 15 to 20 minutes of compliance advice brought to you by healthcare compliance pros. We've got you covered from coast to coast, bringing you the very latest in healthcare compliance with our experts, Chad Schiffman and Loretta Maddox. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. We're going to have a discussion regarding HIPAA myths and misconceptions. Today, I'm joined by Loretta Maddox. She is a senior compliance consultant at Healthcare Compliance Pros. And today, we're going to ask her a few questions about HIPAA myths and misconceptions. As most in healthcare industry understand, trying to comply with the HIPAA rules can be a challenge. Now, on a daily basis, our compliance professionals, such as Loretta, answer and receive many questions and emails and provide assistance to countless clients regarding these HIPAA-related issues. While in emails, some commonalities have been identified. And in an effort to clear up the confusion and bust some of these myths out, we're going to ask Loretta some questions regarding these common myths and misconceptions. And all of these facts are backed by the Department of Health and Human Services, or HHS, and states that the entity is responsible for enforcement of HIPAA rules. So the first question I'm going to ask Loretta is regarding patient requests for a copy of medical records. Loretta, may we release records that are received from another healthcare provider? Actually, Chad, the the answer to that question is yes. You can release as a healthcare provider if you have other physicians' treatment records and a patient asks you for a copy of their record you can release the entire group of records that you have. And I know sometimes this is a little bit scary for some practices just because HIPAA can be scary in general. But once those records become a part of your record, say, for example, you're a primary care physician and you have received a report from the patient's cardiologist, you are using that report to provide continued care to that patient. So in essence, it becomes a part of your record. So yes, you are able to release all records that you have from other treating providers to the patient when they request. The only exception to this would be if there are records in your chart that have special protections. And this is going to be very limited. So this would be if you had copies of psychotherapy notes, true psychotherapy notes in your medical record, which in most cases you're probably not going to have unless you are a psychotherapy practice, then if you did have those notes, you could not release those without an authorization. But we're talking general treatment records that don't have to do with psychotherapy. Okay, perfect. Yeah, that's a question that we received so many times so i appreciate you providing that answer because i'm sure that those listening to this podcast will really benefit from that next question for you is regarding the requirement for a patient to sign an authorization form to receive a copy of their own record is this an actual requirement so this is another commonly confused or a misconception um, of hipaa where many practices do have their patients sign this full-on HIPAA authorization that has several elements on it. 
That is not a requirement of the privacy rule. The privacy rule requires covered entities to verify the identity of the individual that is requesting information and if they are truly the individual that should receive it. So there is no specific way to do this. Practices may have the patient make the request in writing and that is okay, or they may have the patient request information through their patient portal, or they could have the patient make a phone call and then verify certain pieces of information on the phone to make sure that it is truly the patient. The thing about this is the Department of Health and Human Services has issued guidance that has reminded covered entities that we do need to make it as easy as possible for patients to receive access to their information. So as a covered entity, as a practice, you don't want to make it hard for the patient to have access to their medical record. So that means that you don't want to only give them one option. You can't, for example, if a patient calls and says, I need a copy of my medical records mailed to me, you shouldn't make that patient drive to the office so that you can verify who they are and fill out a, a form to do that. You want to make this you don't want to make the patient go through unreasonable measures in order to get a copy of their information. And as, as I mentioned in the beginning, it's not a HIPAA requirement to have that written authorization. You just have to make sure you verify the patient's identity. Perfect. So if I'm understanding you correctly, they can definitely say, ask a patient to at least verbally request their records, and then you can provide those records, assuming that they verify their identity. Correct. And you can verify identity in a number of ways, but the important thing is that you do have this a part of your written policies and procedures so that the entire staff understands this is what we need to do to verify a patient, whether that be patient's date of birth, last four digits of their social security number, maybe their current mailing address or the mailing address that is on file. You do want to have a written process in place so that everyone in the practice understands what they should do. So true. In fact, I see a lot of organizations that will have name plus two identifiers or maybe even name plus three, depending on their state. So I've seen it go numerous ways. Exactly. Now, what about, here's another question that we still receive, and it's interesting how many people actually still use sign-in sheets, but uh, is displaying the patient name on a sign-in sheet or alternatively, what about calling a patient back by their first and last name? Is that considered a HIPAA violation? I know this is a question that we seem to receive still frequently, actually. I'm surprised by this question as well, because it, it seems like that we would have kind of gotten past it, but it, it, there is still some confusion about this. So number one, using a patient sign-in sheet or calling a patient by their first and last name is not a HIPAA violation. It is more considered an incidental disclosure. So what this means is you are permitted to use a patient's information to treat the patient. So number one, if you need to patient, the patients to sign in when they arrive so that you know who to call back for the next appointment, that is a permitted use. So if someone sees that patient's name on the sign-in sheet, that would be considered an incidental disclosure. Same as when you're calling patients back by their first and last name. 
if you can use minimum necessary information, like just the patient's first name or Mr. or Mrs. and their last name, that's great. But in a lot of cases, you've got people with same names, similar names. You're maybe in an area where you, you see a lot of patients with um, common names. So you want to make sure that you, number one, you're treating the right patient. So calling a patient by their first and last name, it is okay. Using that sign-in sheet is okay. But I do want to mention on the sign-in sheet, make sure you only have the minimum necessary information. When I started in healthcare back in the mid-90s, our sign-in sheets were equi equivalent to a patient information sheet. Way too much information on that sign-in sheet. But if you're keeping it simple, patient name, time of appointment, if you have multiple physicians, maybe the doctor that they're there to see, minimum necessary, that would be considered an incidental disclosure and not a HIPAA violation. Got an interesting story to add to this. You know, I was on a site visit uh, with a client a few years back and something interesting happened. They ended up having a patient with the same name and for the purposes of this call, we'll make up a name, but it was Mary Smith, for example. Mary Smith happened to be two patients in the same waiting room waiting to be seen. So the person calling her back went on to add the date of birth because there was a discrepancy in age. I've been basically freaked out at that point. Um, so adding the date of birth and the name was kind of an interesting situation to where I had to go talk to them and remind them on the importance of minimum necessary. So right. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, what about communicating with individuals involved with the patient's care or payment for their care? This is a question that due to the current pandemic, we've received uh, several times recently. So this is another kind of scary part of HIPAA where a lot of practices are, are maybe a little more reserved in when they release information to an, an individual involved in the patient's care. So I do want to mention this is a permitted use and disclosure under HIPAA. So you are permitted to communicate with individuals involved in the patient's care or payment for that care. Now, in a perfect world, would you want something in writing from the patient saying, yes, you can speak to my spouse or yes, you can speak to my adult children? Of course, that's, that's a great process. And I would encourage you to have that process. And many of you probably do on your patient information sheets, a spot that says, who can we talk to about your care? That's great. But not it's not a perfect world, as if anyone is, is aware. There's a lot of imperfections in this world, so that doesn't always happen. So when you are in a situation and maybe you don't have something in writing, HIPAA allows you to make some professional judgments. So, for example, you have an elderly patient that's been coming into the practice. Maybe they have listed in their information sheet their adult daughter is someone that you can communicate with about their care. But over the course of time, maybe another adult child has started coming in with the patient and paperwork hasn't been updated. But you know, based on the patient's history and based on this other adult child coming in with the patient, that they are involved in the patient's care. Well, this adult child calls and says, mom doesn't remember what type of medication or how often she's supposed to take her new medication. Can you go over that with me so I can explain it to mom? that would be permitted under the privacy rule. That would be a permitted disclosure. Now, could you get mom on the phone to say, hey, we don't have this other child listed in your chart. Can, you know, is it okay? 
of course, that's perfectly fine. But in a situation where maybe the patient is not available or the patient is incapacitated, we want to remember that HIPAA should never stand in the way of patient care. So you do have the ability to use professional judgment when you are determining who to release information to. And if you have to do this and you don't have anything in writing from the patient, always remember patient care first, but then document why you did it. If you have good documentation about why you have disclosed information to an individual involved in the patient's care, I really don't feel like you're going to have an issue from a HIPAA violation standpoint. Perfect. That was such a great explanation. Thank you so much for that. Sure. What about an authorization form to disclose protected health information to another treating provider? Is that required? Oh my goodness, this one comes up so much. And I know you've gotten this question too, Chad. Um, so it you are permitted, again, to disclose information for treatment purposes to other healthcare providers. So if you have a patient who is is coming to your practice and you need records from their last treating physician, you should be able to request those records and the treating practice should release those without making the patient go and physically sign an authorization form. Does that happen all the time? Yes, it does. It happens. That's why we get the questions about it. But I do want to put you at ease to know, even if you didn't refer a patient to another doctor, say for example, you are an orthopedic practice and you are trying to get the last MRI on your, on your patient. You didn't order it, but you're requesting that. You should be able to receive that without the patient going specifically back to the radiology center to, ha to sign an authorization for that. Now, because there is so much fear with HIPAA, we do see that this can slow down treatment in some cases because practices are afraid to release records. So I do want you to understand that if it is for treatment purposes, even if you didn't refer a patient to another healthcare provider, you may disclose those records to the other healthcare provider without patient authorization. And again, we're not talking about psychotherapy notes. That's a, that's a whole different topic, but we're talking about records related to to care for that patient. Yeah, psychotherapy notes is a podcast in and of itself at a later date, I'm sure that we could put on for them. I agree. Thank you for listening to Compliance Solved, brought to you by Healthcare Compliance Pros. Are your compliance needs being met? Would you like a free compliance consultation? Do you have questions, comments, or suggestions for future podcasts? We would love to hear from you please contact us through email, info at hcp.md, by phone, 855-427-0427, or visit our website at www.hcp.md.